for joining us for the latest message at Island Church. I've titled this message, Sanctioned by the Holy Ghost. So if you're taking notes, Sanctioned by the Holy Ghost. When the Holy Ghost sanctions you to do stuff, who's going to stand in your pathway? Nobody. They will try, but if you know who you are in Christ, they won't stand in your pathway. Sanctioned by the Holy Ghost. Open up your Bibles, please, at Acts chapter 13 this morning. Acts chapter 13, I'll be reading from verse 4 of our scripture reading, verse 4. Acts chapter 13, verse 4. So being sent out by the Holy Spirit. What a person to send you out. Isn't that awesome? Being sent out by the Holy Spirit, they went down to Cilicia, and from there they sailed to Cyprus. And when they arrived in Somalia, they preached the word of God in the synagogues of the Jews. They also had John as their assistant. Now when they had gone through the island to Paphias, they found a certain sorcerer, a false prophet, a Jew whose name was Bar-Jesus, who was with the proconsul Sergius Paulus, an intelligent man. This man called for Barnabas and Saul and sought to hear the word of God. But Elymas, the sorcerer, so his name is translated, withstood them, seeking to turn the proconsul away from the faith. Then Saul who is also called Paul, filled with the Holy Spirit, looked intently at him and said, O fool of all deceit and all fraud, you son of the devil, you enemy of all righteousness, will you not cease perverting the straight ways of the Lord? And now indeed the hand of the Lord is upon you, and you shall be blind, not seeing the sun for a time. And immediately a dark mist fell on him, and he went around seeking someone to lead him by the hand. Then the proconsul believed when he saw what had been done, being astonished at the teaching of the Lord. And may God add a blessing to the reading of his word. Let us pray. Father, thank you for the worship time that we had and shut us in continuously with yourself and let your name be glorified in this place in your name. Amen. Now the church that was at Antioch there were certain prophets and certain teachers. Barnabas, Simeon, who was called Niger, Lucas of Cyrene, Mornan, who had been brought up with Herod the Tatriarch, and Saul. The church ministered to the Lord and fasted. The Holy Spirit said, Separate me, Barnabas and Saul, for the work to which I have called them. Then, having fasted and prayed and laid hands on them, they sent them away. So being sent out by the Holy Spirit, what a person to send anybody out. The Holy Spirit was the one that sent Barnabas and Paul out. Now, I love Barnabas. I don't know if you look at characters within the Bible, but I do. And I love Barnabas. You know, this man Barnabas in Acts chapter 4, verse 34 to 37, we are told he sold a piece of land and blessed the apostles and they actually nicked him, they nicknamed him son of encouragement, an encourager. Barnabas was an encourager. He would have got alongside you and he would have said, you know what? It's okay. Let's do this. Let's get back up on our feet if you've fallen down and let's get back on track. It's okay. It's going to be good. I love people like that. Don't you? In your workstation, if you do something wrong, you love people that comes along beside you and say, it's okay, you made a mistake, but let's look at it again, and let's get back on track. He was an encourager. Barnabas was an encourager, and he loved to encourage. He went, and he got his farm, and he sold his farmland, and he went and got all the money, and he put it at the apostles' feet. Can you imagine that? And says, God bless you, get on with the work. Can you imagine that? This is Barnabas for you. In the book of Acts chapter 4. Sold everything he had. Put it at the apostles' feet. Go for it. Do what you have to do for God. That's Barnabas. I love people like that. Don't you? People like that encourage me. 
People like that, I look at people like that and I go, I want what they have. I want exactly what they have. What have they got? They've got the Holy Ghost. They've got Jesus Christ. They're living for Him. They're sold out for Him. Completely sold out for Him. Living for Him. A light shining in dark areas. And we remember in the next chapter what happened. Ananias and Sapphira, they went and done the same, but they were counterfeit. Do you remember? They done it deceitfully. They done it because everybody else was doing it, and they kept back the money. And God doesn't play games when it comes to things like that. And what happened, Ananias and Sapphira, they dropped dead, three hours within each other. But yet Barnabas was genuine. Barnabas was a genuine encourager. And I love genuine encouragers, people who are there to help you get along in your life. Barnabas was sticking up for Saul as well in Acts chapter 9. Remember Saul, who was killing Christians left, right, and center, who would come in and grab your children from your house and drag them to prison and take you and all your family that was Christian to prison. And yet God met with him in the road to Damascus. He had an experience that he never forgot the rest of his life. But the disciples didn't want to know him. For three years, he went to a place called Arabia because nobody wanted him. Barnabas came in Acts 9 and says, you know what, brother? I've been seeing you. I've been watching you. Come along with me. It's okay. I'll speak to the rest of the disciples. I'll come and I'll help you. Come on, Paul, let's go. And the both of them, he looked after him. Can you imagine a brother like that? Paul, on the other hand, was different. There was no messing with Paul. It was straight down the line. And we need this in the Christian church. We need a Barnabas and we need a Paul. We've all different types of characters within the Christian I don't know if you've ever realized that before. Have you ever realized that before? All different types of characters in the body of Christ? People who are straight, people who are just like this wee way of doing it and you love being around them and then other people you, can't, you don't like being around. You stay away from them. Why? Just, you just stay away. That's the body of Christ. But you need them people and you need these people and you need it all because it's a body. Is that right, church? Let's get real here. It's a body. You need every person to function within the body of Christ. You have prophets, you have evangelists, you have all types of people in the body of Christ. And Paul and Barnabas now was in together. And he would have stuck up for him and helped him and encouraged him. Acts chapter 11, verse 27 as well. It says, And in these days prophets came from Jerusalem and Antioch. Then one of them named Agabus stood up and showed by the Spirit that there was going to be a great famine throughout all the world, which also happened in the days of Claudius Caesar. Then the disciples, each according to his ability, determined, sent relief to the brethren dwelling in Judea. This they also did, and sent to the elders by the hands of who? Barnabas and Saul. There's them two boys together again. We're together again, just worshiping the Lord. These guys were working together as a team earlier on before they were sent out on mission. It's good to have somebody that you work a long way good, isn't it? If you have somebody and you can't get a long way and you're sent out on mission, it's a nightmare. Because your personalities are different. You clash and all the rest of it. What a team. Barnabas and Saul, two different personalities here. He was, Barnabas was the encourager. Saul was the stern person that got things done and needed to be it got things done. No messing with Saul at all. He was pure focused on what his call was. The first mission trip that they went on, the journey, verse 4. Look where they go. Cyprus. They go, God calls them to Cyprus. And verse 4 of our scripture reading. It says, Barnabas' own country. We're told in Acts chapter 4, verse 36, Barnabas lived in Cyprus before he went to Antioch. He was returning to tell all the great things that the Lord had done for him. Would have been a great time to see his family members and going back and, and seeing the relatives with, with Paul, both of them. So the both of them would have went on their journey, sent, remember this, sent by who? Sent by the Holy Spirit. So this was sanctioned from the top, okay? The Holy Spirit sent them. Friends, when the Holy Spirit sends you, 
everything's going to fall into place. If you go on your own, it's not going to fall into place. Do you understand where I'm coming from? You need to be sent by the Holy Spirit. Nobody can stand in your way. I remember the time when I was working in farm meats and a meat plant. And many times I went up, we got sticks. I was blessing the church with sticks. It was 20 pound a box. We had 22 bits, uh, big sticks. So I was going up and buying sticks. And I remember one time where my manager, the boss who owned the whole place, says to me, Adrian, I want you to go and get a stick. And I says, no problem, I'll go get that. I went up. And you know these boys who give out things, they think they own the department, don't they, sometimes? Don't they? They think, oh, who are you coming up here to get anything? Uh, I went up and I says, I need a stick. And they were all looking. And, and I knew they were going to fall into the hands. But I didn't care. Do you know why? Because I was sent by the owner of the whole department. I had no care if they didn't give it to me or not. I was sent by the owner of the place itself. The CEO sent me to get steak. So I went up all cocky. You're getting that steak out today. I don't care what you think. I don't care what you say. You're getting that steak out today because I've been sent by the main man himself. And you know what? He gave me the steak. Was he happy? No. But did I care? No. <laughs> I got the steak. Why? Why was I so confident for? Because I was sent by the person, the CEO. The Holy Ghost sends you, you be confident. You walk in it and you hold your head high and you go and do what Jesus tells you to do. Is that right? And who's going to put you off? Nobody, because he's told you already. So Saul and Barnabas went back home. Back on the uh, Barnabas' hometown and he was so confident about this. Verse 4 of our scripture reading says, or verse 5 says, And when they arrived in Salamis, they preached the word of God. Underline that in your Bible. They preached the word of God. They preached the word of God. How do you infect, infect a nation? Preach the word of God. How does church work? Preach the word of God. How do you change atmospheres? Preach the word of God. How do you change environments? Preach the word of God. These guys went and they preached the word of God in the synagogues of the Jews. They preached the word. Power right here. Significant for every emergency. Effect for every need. The word of God. Everything we need is in that Bible that is there. We don't need to go outside that. We preach that. And when you preach that, there's power coming from that. They preached the word of God. Hebrews 12, verse, Hebrews 4, verse 12 says, For we have the living word of God, which is full of energy, like a two-mouthed sword. It will even penetrate to the very core of our being, where soul and spirit, bone and marrow meet. It interprets and reveals the true thoughts and secret motives of our hearts. There is not one person who can hide their thoughts from God, for nothing that we do remains a secret and nothing created is concealed, but everything is exposed and defenseless before His eyes, to whom we must render an account. We have to give an account to God someday. Thank God for Jesus. My sin has been taken. As far as the east is from the west, my sin has been sorted. Thank God for Jesus. When I give an account, Jesus is going to stand up for me. I'm standing up for him in this earth. He's going to stand up for me up there. Praise God. That's awesome, isn't it? But the word of God, it can, it can tell us the secret motives of our hearts as well. This word is sharp. It's an awesome word. It's powerful when used properly. Ephesians chapter 6, verse 13 to 18 talks about the armor of God. Belt of truth, breastplate of righteousness, shoes fitted for the gospel of peace, sword of the spirit, which is the word, shield of faith, and the helmet of salvation. And it says in verse 17, it says the sword of the spirit, which is what? The word. The sword of the spirit is the word. 
to cut, discern, and defend. The rima, the written word for that is the Spirit always acts in harmony with the written word of God. It should be quoted in times of temptation, and it will cut in pieces the snares of the enemy. Prove it, pastor. Okay, I will. Glad you asked that. Go to Matthew chapter 4. And this, if he uses it, we should do what he does. Instead of trying to get into a fisticuff fight with the devil, who won all the time, hands down, we just quote the word. We don't get into the ring. We throw a word in. Jesus is. Jesus is. Jesus is. I will never leave you nor forsake you. He's there with me. You're on your own. I'm never on my own. I'm never on my own. Three o'clock in the morning, I'm never on my own. Four o'clock in the morning, I'm never on my own. He's there with me. He who is in me is greater than he who is in the world. 1 John 4, 4. I'm never alone. He's there. He's got my back. Wherever I put my foot, wherever I trod, I'm taking that land. Joshua chapter 1. Courage. Be couraged. Strengthen in the Lord. Be encouraged in Him. He will never forsake me. He's always with me. And when you confess your sin unto him, he will forgive you your sin. For years, as a young Christian, when I grew up, I used to have a sin on a Friday. It took me a full week to try and get over it. And then I probably do the same sin that Friday as well. It took me another week to get over it. I was held in until the verse came up in John where it says, if you confess all your sins unto him, he is faithful to forgive you for all sin. That broke everything off my life. That Friday, if I'd done something wrong, I talked to him, I was done. Saturday, I was up and I'm going about my father's business. That's the word for us. We need to know the word. We need to know it. Look at Matthew chapter 4. When Jesus was tempted in Matthew chapter 4, Jesus was fasting for 40 days. Hands up if you try to fast for 40 days. Hands up if you try to fast for 40 minutes. That's not easy. Come on. Isn't it? 40 minutes. It's hard. You try 40 days. See, Satan won't come to you when you're strong. He'll come to you when you're weak, at your weakest point. He'll come to you when you're damaged and you're down and you're out and it's nine and it's close to the ten and you're damn, you're tired. 40 days, Jesus fasted for in the wilderness. 40 of them. Look at what it says in Matthew 4, verse 3. If you are the Son of God, command that these stones become bread. Look at Jesus. I love the way Jesus comes back on this. Red writing in my Bible. It says, It is written, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. Where did he get that from? He got that from Deuteronomy chapter 8, verse 3. You see, Jesus knew Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy off the top of his head. He knew it off the tip of his mouth. Pharisees knew it off the tip of their mouth. They knew the books. They could quote it. But it's a matter of using it the proper way. Jesus went through Scripture and just quoted it to Satan. Verse 5, Then the devil took him up into a holy city, set him on a pinnacle of the temple. If you are the Son of God, throw yourself down. For it is written, He shall give his angels charge over you. And in their hands they shall bear you up, lest you dash your foot against the stone. Jesus said to him, again taking it from Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse 16, he quotes, Again, it is written again, you shall not tempt the Lord your God. He didn't even spend much time with Satan trying to talk to him. He quoted the word and that was it. Don't try and spend time talking to him. He's a liar. Whatever he says to you is a lie. Don't entertain him. Just tell him the word. Again, the devil took him up on an exceedingly high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their glory. And he said to him, All these things I will give to you if you fall down and worship me. Jesus again says, Away with you, Satan, for it is written, you shall worship the Lord your God, and him only you shall serve. Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse 13, 
And Deuteronomy chapter 10, verse 20, boom, the Word of God. See the power of the Word. And I don't care what way you say the Word. You can say the Word like this. It is written, Satan. Away with you. Or you could say, it's written, away with you. You could do it that way. What's your personality? What way do you do it? You could do it in Spanish. You could do it in Indonesian. You can do it in Nigerian. You can do it any kind of language you want. But there's power in it. And that's where the power lies. Don't try and take it on on your own wee ideas. Do it the way the Word does it. And it works. Then the devil left him, and behold, angels came and ministered to him. Very powerful scripture, isn't it? Angels came down and ministered to him. They came and took care of him. You'll never know if you meet an angel or not. Hebrews chapter 1. It says you could be entertaining angels and you don't know it. Powerful. They're sent to protect us, to help us. Jesus knew the Word of God. He knew it. How many books is in the book of Genesis? Come on, Bible believers. You've been going to church for years. You've been reading that book for years. You have it in your, your library. You've been studying it for years. How many books is in it? How many books is in Exodus? How many books is in Leviticus? How many books is in Numbers and Deuteronomy? How many books is in them? You've had it for years. Jesus could quote every one of them. 50 books in Genesis. 40 books in Exodus. Leviticus is 27. Numbers is 36. Deuteronomy is 34 chapters. When you know the word, he can't mess about with you. The key is getting to know it. And we have to start off somewhere. Jesus quoted the scripture. God's word is like a hammer. In Jeremiah 23, verse 29, God's word is like a hammer and fire. This is the description of God's word. It's like a hammer and fire. What's fire do? It burns up all the rubbish that's in you. Amen? All the stuff that you carry and baggage that you carry, it burns it up. What's a hammer do? Takes all that out. A hammer is to break unbelief, false hope, crushing everything that is evil within the heart. You see, when you read it, it cuts you. When you read it, it goes, whoa, I didn't see that. I can't believe I got caught up in this business and the Lord's telling me this now and, and, and the preacher's preaching from the front and he, and he says this, how did he know that about me? That's the word, active. It's like a hammer, like a fire coming out. Why? Because he loves you and he cares for you and he wants the best for you. Two symbols is used there, fire and hammer. 1 Peter 2 Verse 2, Hebrews 5, verse 12 to 14, 1 Corinthians 3, verse 1, says the Word of God is used like milk here to feed the nourish and develop babies in Christ. You have to start somewhere. You get a wee convert. A wee, a wee convert that's just saved, that's just born again. He needs spiritual milk. He needs to, to suck the spiritual milk. You need to get around him. You need to help that baby as he grows in his Christian walk because it's like milk. The word is like milk. It also is like meat. Hebrews 5, 12, 14, 1 Corinthians 3, 2. God's word is, is meat as well. Because if you just keep drinking spiritual milk, if you just get in the milk scene, what's going to happen? You're going to be, become ill-nourished. Ill isn't that right? You're going to become malnourished in the spirit. You're not going to be fit. You're going to be looking milk all the time. You'll never grow. 
You're going round in circles, looking for milk, looking for milk. Who's going to make me milk? Who's going to, who's going to feed me now? Coming to churches, people going to churches all their life. Who's going to feed me now? Getting into churches and sitting in the front row. Who's going to feed me now? Pastors doing all the work, doing all the work. I'm behind, doing all the study, doing all that. Getting meat, 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 feeding you. Who's going to feed me now? And you just go round in circles and circles and you've never learned anything. You've not grown in your Christian walk and you're on milk and you're 50 years old. It's time to learn how to cook. <laughs> in the spirit. I'm not talking in the natural. I'm not the best cook in the natural. But cooking in the spirit. How do you do it? You read your Bible. You sit. You sit down. You study yourself to approved a workman, ready for equipped and going forth for him. You read your Bible, you pray, you say, Holy Spirit, show me, guide me in this, help me in this. And you take a wee bit of meat and you go, that's nice. Put a wee bit of salt on it. Oh, that's lovely. Wow. And then you get the feel for it. And then you start eating it daily. You start telling your friends about it. Foil meats, when I was starting off, I was on telling all my friends about Jesus and about the Holy Spirit and about God. Letting them know what I knew on the Sunday. The pastor would preach on the Sunday. I was in there giving the same sermon on the Monday. It's good to pass on all the stuff that God has blessed you with. So meat, it's like meat. What else is it like? God's word is a lamp, a light to guide and reveal and warn. Psalm 119, verse 105. Your word is a lamp to my feet, and a light to my path. That's powerful, isn't it? We go out here, we've got lights, haven't we? You go into the, the bog side or, or, or go into the brandy well, you've got lights, every area. You go in the, wherever you are, you've got lights shining. Back then, they didn't have lampposts. Back then, they didn't have all what we have now. They had a, a, a lantern and the oil, and they put it in front of them. And they walked. So they wouldn't fall off in the edge of the cliff. They, that was, thy word is a lamp unto thy feet and a light unto thy path. That's where he got that illustration from. The oil is like the Holy Spirit. We need the word to keep us perfect. Isn't that right? We need him every day. It is for navigating through difficult moral choices in a dark and a fallen world, not the advice of career counselors or pop magazines, God's illuminating truth to guide us on the right path. We will quickly encounter grief and ruin. Only God's word provides the direction we need. A few weeks back, I was asked to come to a house down in Moville, and me and my wife got set up. We left the house. I, of course, I went to the sat-nav, put it in. Captain's cottage. Boom, boom, boom. We set off the journey. Five hours later, I was still going around in circles. I had to pull in, get a drink of Lucasade just to keep myself going. What kept me going was I'm getting a stick, I'm getting a stick, I'm getting a stick. And when we go over the border... The last thing that you type in to your, your phone, that's the only thing it picks up because after that, it doesn't pick anything else up. So there I was, looking for Captain's Cottage. We pulled up, me and my wife pulled up the garden. No, nah, not here. Maybe there's, cap there's a captain over there. I, it wasn't the captain I was looking for. I was looking for Captain Claire and Moville, 25 minutes away. We took, we were spent five hours that day running about like headless chickens, trying to find trying to find where she was living. Five hours. Crazy. Directions. We need to get under the word to get directed. How many times in the natural or how many times in the spirit have we went round in circles all over the place and it's sitting 20 minutes away? I'm going to try this and try this. I'm going to try this method. I'm going to try that method and the Bible's sitting there. And God's saying, just use that Bible. No, that's, that's, that's oil hot. I've got my own way of doing things. No, just use the Bible. Oh, but I've got it this way. My mate told me this. Oh, no, I don't care what your friends told you. I don't care what they think. Use the Bible. 
and it'll be done far better and faster and quicker. Don't rely on sat-navs either. Five hours, I would have. One day, one day we'll get there. I will not be using the sat-nav. That's usually my sat-nav there, but we were down south. Dunfanahy, I ended up in. I'm not joking. That's where we went to. And we, we couldn't get out of Dunfanahy to get back to Letterkenny. Remember the signpost that took us away up here? And we went up a mountain, and there was workers up a mountain, and we says, hey, where, how do we get to Moval? Oh, you're a way off there. You have to go whole way back into the city, and then come whole, and I, my head was fried by this time. It was literally fried. I was hungry. It wasn't, wasn't good. It wasn't nice. It felt vulnerable because I didn't know where I was going. But how many Christians feel vulnerable because they don't know where they're going? How many people are running about in circus like headless chickens? All because they don't learn to cook their own meat. They don't learn to open up their Bible in the morning and read it. Paul speaks to a young brother, a man by the name of Timothy, and tells him in 2 Timothy 3.16, all scripture is God being is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, thoroughly equipped for every good work. He wants you to be complete and thoroughly equipped. I remember coming into this, this sanctuary here and coming in here, and, and they were just building this whole place. This was a complete tip. And I remember coming in, and I remember seeing different workers doing different things. It wasn't one man doing it all. Different workers were doing different things. There was a guy working over there. There was a guy working on this. There was a person doing boards. There was a person doing putty. There was all different types of people, and they were all equipped with the right equipment that they needed to build this. Isn't that powerful? God wants to equip you with all the tools that you need. But if you don't spend time in his word, you can't do what he asks you to do. I meet many people and a guy, an electrician came out of the house. He was earning something like 40 pounds a week. And all his mates in Dublin was earning double that or whatever they were getting down in Dublin. They left the course, went down to Dublin. They were making 200, 300 pounds. And then they all came back. But by this time, your man was fully qualified. Now he's making whatever he wants. He's making all the money that he wants. Them other boys have to go and do the course to get all the, the stuff that they needed. They thought they would take a quick step and go to Dublin and get big money. Came back, but they needed the qualifications that that other guy needs. So it's doing it properly and doing it right. Second Timothy 4, verse 2 says this. Preach the word, being ready and season. And out of season. You know, Satan does not take a holiday. You don't see him over in Spain lying in some seat relaxed with his hands behind his back going, boys, I'm just taking a wee week's holiday here. I'll talk to you sure when I get back. Don't no calls. Satan doesn't do that. Why? Because his time is short. Satan's time's short. No holidays for him. He's always active all the time with his demons they're always active all the time. They don't go on holidays. First Peter 5, verse 8 says, Be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary the devil walks about like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. He never takes a holiday. If I take a holiday, I'm still Christian mode. Isn't that right? Always thinking, who can I talk to now? Slip away, go and speak to this person. This person needs... You need prayer. Slip away. Where'd you go? I just went to the toilet. Constantly thinking. Christian mode. Never take a holiday. Barnabas and Saul now comes to a place called Paphias, where they meet a man called Bar-Jesus, Acts chapter 13, verse 6. Otherwise known as Elymas, Bar-Jesus meaning son of Jesus. His description can you imagine that? Son of Jesus, and yet he was working for the enemy. He was working for the devil. He was a false prophet. He was a spiritualist. He was a sorcerer. He had now become the son of Satan instead of son of Jesus. In Scripture, spiritualism is seen to be a fact. 
2 Thessalonians 2.9 says this, The coming of the lawless one is according to the working of Satan with all power signs and lying wonders. Lying wonders. Satan will create stuff in the sky. The media will go and the media will film all this stuff and then everybody's talking on earth about how aliens are going to come and they're going to sap people up and that's it. We're all hammered. The rapture could happen. What happened? The media will go, ah, aliens have come and, and stolen Oh, but funny, they're all Christian. But I don't know, but sure, the aliens stole them anyway. Anybody that finds themselves involved in sorcery, wizards, white witches, black, white magic, astral projection, fortune telling, clairvoyant, horoscopes, meditation on things that's wrong, mediums, Ouija boards, seances, soothsaying, tarot card reading, warlocks, they are playing a dangerous game. A very dangerous game. They're playing into the hands of the enemy and they don't realize it. Now, this be honest. Is hypnotism fun? Is it good crack to the world? To the world, it's really hilarious, isn't it? Where you get a bunch of boys up and they're all here and you clap your hands and then boom. That's it. And then they're doing stuff that they don't even remember doing. And everybody's laughing in the audience. There was a guy in Foy Meets one time way back. <laughs> he went to hypnotist. And he came into work on the Friday. But he came into work with a leprechaun on his shoulder. And he truly believed that he had a leprechaun on his shoulder. So he was standing in the meat plant with a leprechaun on his shoulder at 12 o'clock. And he was talking away to the leprechaun. That's crack. He, Everybody looking at him going, you are nuts. But he was hypnotized. Now, to the world, that's fun, isn't it? Everybody laughed. Oh, Benny, he called him. We called him Benny Hill. That was his nickname because he looked like Benny Hill. Benny Hill's got a leprechaun on his shoulder and he's talking to it. <laughs> it was all fun and games. Benny couldn't do no work because he was scared that the leprechaun would fall off his shoulder. Where's these people going that's doing this? The people that's been using to hypnotize. Where are they going? Is this serious? The people who's doing the seances around the tables talking to demonic activity. Where are they going? They're going to hell. It's no fun then. It's all fun now. These guys are going to hell. Sorcerers. People who are wizards. People who are geniuses in the world. People sell their souls to Satan and make it big in music. And get all the money that they want. When they die, where are they going to? A lost eternity. There's no fun in games. And see, when Satan's finished with you, he will throw you to the side as a dung heap. He doesn't want to know you anymore. Doesn't want to know you anymore. That's the way he operates. And that's the way that he does things. So this is serious. Let's look at what the Word says about it, not what I say, not what I think. Leviticus 19, verse 31. Leviticus 19, 31 says, Give no regard to medium and familiar spirit. Do not seek after them to be defiled by them. I am the Lord your God. Is that clear? Have nothing to do with them. Leviticus 20, verse 6 says, and the person who turns to mediums and familiar spirits to prostitute himself with them, I will set my face against that person and cut him off from his people. Nobody, I never want the face of God to be set against me. Do you? It's a dangerous place. And yet God's saying this in the Old Testament. Leviticus chapter 20, verse 27 says, A man or a woman who is a medium or who has familiar spirits shall surely be put to death. They shall stone them with stones. Their blood shall be upon them. Do you think God's taking this serious? You better believe he's taking this serious. He's telling you to have nothing to do with them. He took it very serious. Now, pastor, I've been to a, I've been to a hypnotist. I've been to a sorcerer. I've been to whatever. 
When I was 16, 17, I went to a, a palm reader down in the YMCA, down just where I lived. I didn't know any of this. They went in and they took my hand and they, they, they looked at it and they, you know, how they pay a tenner. A tenner. That was big money back then. I didn't have to give the boy a tenner. They read it and they go, don't leave the house. You're going to get a car. No, I, did. I was going to leave the house because I wasn't going to get a car. For me, I was at her for ages. I wasn't getting a car. I wanted a car. Don't leave the house. You're going to get a car. I go, okay. Oh, I see that you're going overseas here. You're going to do a lot of trips overseas. I've never been out of drama all my life. Born and bred, countryman, going, what? Okay. And then she goes, give me another 10 pound and I'll read your other hand. I says, you're not getting another 10 pound of me. No chance. I'm saying all this to say this. See, when I became a Christian, give my life to the Lord. I didn't repent of that. I asked the Lord to forgive me. Sorry, Lord, I didn't know that I had to go. I didn't know any of this. I was oblivious to it. So you're sitting there now and you're going, I went to a fortune teller. Just repent and ask the Lord to forgive you. You didn't know. You didn't know any better. That simple way of getting out of it. Don't let the enemy play with your mind. You didn't know any better. I didn't know any better. Well, getting another tenner out of me, I tell you. Just for another hand, right? No chance. Deuteronomy 18.10 says, There shall not be a found among you anyone who makes his son or his daughter pass through the fire or one who practices witchcraft or a soothsayer or one who interprets omens or a sorcerer or one who conjures spells or a medium or a spiritualist or one who calls up the dead. For all who do these things are an abomination to the Lord. And because these abominations, the Lord your God drives them out among you. That's strong, isn't it? That covers a lot of witchcraft, a lot of demonic activity there, doesn't it? And that's the Word of God speaking. God condemned it back in the Old Testament, and He condemns it today. Stay clear from any of the works of the devil. It is the devil's territory. Beware of any contact with it. Horoscopes and the newspaper. Stay away from it. It's demonic. Barnabas and Saul were working for the Lord, where Elymas was working for his Lord, Satan. Only could be one winner here. Who sent Barnabas and Saul? The Holy Ghost. And now they come up against this guy, Elymas, who Satan's using with all trickery. John 8, verse 44 says, You are of your father, the devil. And the desires of your father you want to do. He was a murderer from the beginning and does not stand in truth because there is no truth in him. When he speaks a lie, he speaks from his own resources, for he is a liar and the father of it. Elymas was using him, Satan was using Elymas. And by the way, 2 Corinthians 4 4 says, Satan is the small g, small god of this world. He's not our God. He's a small G. He's not our God. Our God's the big G. Amen? Acts 13, 7 says, Sergius Paulus, underline this, was an intelligent man. He was an intelligent man. Acts 13, verse 7. He was a very intelligent man. He called for Barnabas and Saul and sought to hear the word of God. That is an intelligent man who wants to hear the word of God. You came here this morning, why? Because you wanted to hear the Word of God. Is that right? So what does that make you? Intelligent. You wanted to hear the Word. He wanted to hear the Word. If you don't tell them, they won't know. Why is I, a number of years ago when I got saved and I was driving my Nova, I put a sign on the back window of my car. Wise men sought Jesus, they still do. On the back of my red Nova. Wise men saw Jesus, they still do. Sergius Paulus was the proconsul, a Roman deputy of Cyprus, was a prudent man, desired to hear the word of God. He wanted to hear what was being spoken of. 
Romans 10, verse 14 and 17 says this, And how shall they hear without a preacher? And how shall they preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the gospel of peace, who bring glad tidings of good things. So then faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Do you know if you go on and tell somebody about Jesus, you have beautiful feet? If you don't tell them, they won't hear. I'm sorry. You're God's signpost. If you don't tell them, they won't hear. God has placed you in places where no other person is for them, then let them know. Let them know. Tell the people that you're in with. Paul and Barnabas were spreading the good news. And the devil was using bar Jesus to try and stop him. You ever see that when you try to talk to people? You're in working away and you're talking, you're sharing the gospel, and their friends come over and surround you. And their friends don't want you to talk to them about the gospel. Family members phone you up, are you all right? I seen you talking to them, two boys at the door. Are you sure you're all right? Did they say anything to you? Oh, and you're panicking, you don't know what to do next. And, and then you just say, No, I don't want to talk, I don't want to talk anymore. I, I don't want, I'm okay. Happens. How do you know? Because I've been there thousands of times. Millions of times I've been there, trying to talk to people about Jesus. Their mitts are all laughing and making fun and coming up. There's no difference between elements doing this and them doing that. They may think it's funny. They may think it's a bit of fun. But you're trying to do serious business for the one who sent you. And they're making fun and making jokes. Don't give up. Keep talking to them because this is crucial that they hear the word of God. It's crucial that they know the Word of God. And it's crucial that you keep penetrating through them. And it's crucial you keep going when you know it's the truth. John 8, 32. And you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. It's great to be free tonight, today, isn't it? It's great to have that freedom in our lives. Acts 13, 8 says, But Elamaz, a sorcerer, withstood them, seeking to turn the proconsul away from the faith. It's a very sad moment when somebody does that, especially if you're sent by the Holy Ghost. Look at verse 9. Paul seen through him. Verse 9 says, filled with the Holy Spirit, looked intently at him. Can you imagine this? Somebody looking intently at you, right through you. Many times, men of God, prophets of God, when they look at me, they look right through me, and their eyes pierce right into my soul. And I'm going... Oh dear. <laughs> Woo. Look at that. That's a holy man of God. He knows what I'm at. Oh dear. Right through. Paul was no different. Intently at him and said this O oh, full of all deceit and all fraud, you're a big fraudster. That's what you are. Can you imagine somebody doing that in the 21st century just come up and saying, You're a fraud? You're full of deceit right into their face. You son of the devil. It's a strong words coming here. You enemy of all righteousness, will you not cease perverting the straight ways of the Lord? And now indeed, the hand of the Lord is upon you, and you shall be blind, not seeing the sun for a time. And immediately a dark mist fell on him, and he went around seeking someone to lead him by the hand. See, when Satan's finished with you, he doesn't want to know you. Elamus is blind, it's no good to me, I can't use him anymore. He was around trying to find somebody to help him. Trying to find. Help, help. Paul never minced his words here. He was straight in and told him the way it was. The truth hurts. Left him in no doubt of his condition, a description right down to a T. If I was to ask a question, what does people, how does people see you? How would they come up with their answer? Right down their T. How would they see me? How would they speak about me? How would they write a paragraph on me? I would hope that they would write, he's a follower of Jesus. I would hope that. He's a Christian. What are they saying about you? Because you know, people read you more than they read their Bible. People watch every move you make. They don't read their Bible much. They watch you. 
You are a representative of Christ on the earth. You are an ambassador for Christ on the earth. What's people saying? What's people saying? How would they respond to that question? If people would describe you, what would they say? Acts 13, 12 says, Then the proconsul believed when he saw what had been done, being astonished at what? The teaching of the Lord, the Word of God. Astonished. Sergius Paulus got right with God. He saw Paul and Barnabas doing what God called them to do because they were sanctioned by the Holy Ghost to go and do it. James chapter 1, verse 22 says, But be ye doers of the word and hearers only, deceiving yourselves. There's many Christians sitting today and they can tell you this and tell you that, but they don't do it. They're just telling you information. They don't walk the walk. They don't get up from their backside. They don't go out. They don't tell nobody. Don't tell nobody nothing. They're just too comfortable. They're too comfortable from where they are. Be doers of the word. Proverbs 11, verse 30 says, He who wins souls is wise. Any wise man among us, wise women among us, he who wins souls is wise. And you know what happens when a person gives their life? You know, Sergius Paulus, when he gave his life to the Lord, you know what happened? Luke 15, verse 10 tells us what happened. And it's the same over and over and over and over again. When you give your life to Christ, this happened. If, if I go out and meet somebody in the street now and ask them to give their life to Christ, this would happen. Luke 15, 10. Likewise, I say to you, there is joy in the presence of the angels of God over one sinner who repents. There's a party up in heaven. That's awesome, isn't it? And if we think that the problem that happened with Elymas and the sorcery and all that witchcraft is only for then and only for back then. Friends, it's happening today in front of your very eyes. There's programs on TV. Look at the many, you know, uh, bewitched and that's all fun. It's all good crack and the kids are watching these programs and they're going, I would love to move that chair from there over there just to have a, and they're in their class and they're going, move that chair over. They're trying all these things. They would love to have that power. They would love to have all that power because that's all glittery. Isn't that right? They would love to have all that. If they aren't getting the word of God, they're going to get something else. And Satan will make sure they get something else. Look what happened in Acts chapter 19 and 19. Acts chapter 19 was the seven sons of Sceva. They thought they would would jump on the bandwagon and they started trying to find this guy and, and they, they found this guy who was demon-possessed and they thought, right, this is easy, this is good fun. Come on, we'll have a joke. Seven sons of Sceva. They come up and they get this guy who's demon-possessed and they pray over him. And the, the demon-possessed man looks at them and he goes, Paul, I know. Who are you? And can you see the seven sons, the seven men, they're all standing there. Oh, get out of him, get out! Paul, I know, but who are you? Paul, I know. Jesus, I know, but who are you? Oh dear, this isn't working. Can you see the seven? I'm looking around. This isn't working. Your man's going to come at us now. We do it again. Ah, uh, get out of him. Paul, I know. Jesus, I know, but who are you? And you know what happened? That one man took the seven out, gave him a battering. And they were all running down the street, naked, bleeding, you see in verse 19 of that scripture reading, do you see what happened? The power of God hit the place. Everybody was afraid. The power of God hit the place. All the people with the magic arts and all books and all of that came together and burnt all the magic art books. They burnt them at a big bonfire. They had a big bonfire and they burnt everything that was occultic. They had them all burnt. Now that's big money. There's big money in the occult. There's big money in that organization. Books are hundreds of pounds to learn the art of it. They came together and they burnt the whole lot of it and one big bonfire. The word says it. Now I love it from the Passion Translation. I'll read it from the Passion Translation. And verse 19, Also many of those who had practiced magic brought their books together and burnt them in the sight of all. And they counted up the value of them and it totaled 50,000 pieces of silver. So the word of the Lord grew. 
mightily and prevailed. They reckon that was several million dollars. The Passion Version says seven million dollars of worth of material, art, demonic uh, material that they burnt and that big bonfire. Friends, if you have anything at all in your house that shouldn't be there, get it out because it's a demonic attraction. It's crazy. People go away on holidays and they come back and give you a gift and there's maybe a wee face on that gift. You put that into your house and you put that into your room and then your whole havoc starts coming in your house and you don't know what it is. And then there's Christians coming in they're going, oh, that looks interesting there. Oh, I, my friend, give me that. Really nice, isn't it? No, it's not really nice. You need to get that out of your house because there's demonic activity attached to that. And you'll not know it if you don't know it. Do you know what I mean? You'll not know it. Friends, thank you for listening to the Word of God today. I appreciate all of you. I hope and pray that you've learned something today. And I want to encourage every one of you. You know, he says in Mark's Gospel, go into all the world and preach the Gospel. Signs and wonders will follow the Word. The Word, emphasize that. If you have the Word, you've got everything. You don't need to go to a Bible college. You don't need to go, if you've got the Word and you're reading it every day and you're asking the Holy Spirit to reveal things unto you, God promotes you. God will lift you up. Humble yourself and He will lift you up. And if He sends you, nobody can stop you. If He sanctions it and He's told you to do a thing, nothing can stop you. Nothing in hell Nothing in this earth and nothing in heaven can stop you when God calls you to do a thing. You'll go through a wall. Did you enjoy church today, folks? Have you learned something today, folks? God is a good God. Everything that I took in was from the Scriptures. Nothing to do with me. Everything was the Word. Everything was the Scriptures. Everything was the Word. It's all there. It's all in there. You just need to spend hours sitting before the Lord and saying, Lord, show me again. Help me again. Will I preach this sermon? Will I preach that sermon? What will I say to this guy? Will I speak to my friend and work tomorrow? Will I not speak to my friend? Show me, guide me, step me in the right pathway. Put me in the right place at the right time to speak to the right people. You know, what's needed of me. I want to be a vessel for you. Where do you want me to go? Who do you want me to speak to? Constantly talk to him. I'm too young. You're never too young. I'm too old. You're never too old. God can use anybody at any age, anywhere. He has planted you. You go and you do what God has called you to do. I'm just going to pray and thank God for today. Thank you for your time. Let's just pray. Father, thank you for the word of God. Thank you for every single person that came here. Thank you for every person that listened online. And I do pray, Father, if there is people online, if there is people in here, that they would say this simple childlike prayer and come to know you as their personal Lord and Savior after me, Father. Dear Lord, I ask you to come into my heart and forgive me for my sin. I also ask you to forgive me in my past life for going to anybody that's involved with witchcraft or in the demonic realm. I ask that you forgive me right now and help me break free from anything that the enemy has over me. In Jesus' name, amen. so glad you could join us for our latest message. We are located in the city at 76 Strand Road and we would love for you to call in and join us. Details are on our website at islandchurch.co.uk